When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bleeding Blue, a show about the New York football giants and its history. First time I've ever said it that way. My name is Justin Pennick, alongside one of my best friends, Nikki Snacks. How are you? I'm all right. You know, as good as can be. Yeah. How are you? Good. Tired. I'm, I'm tired. fucking. I'm fucking. Exhausted. Yeah, we're recording this at 9:30. It's because we. Uh, it's because we care and we love you, and we have one more episode. Reading the Big Fifty, and then next week we hopefully have an interview with the author of this book. Well, if we if Richard we Chitrania. don't if we don't, then that's just we hope, really yeah. I mean, we on. hopefully do. It's been set for a while, so yes, it's been in the works. So, so Patty should be on the show next week. Gonna shoot the DM, slide in the DMs tomorrow, and hey, you never know where that could lead to. Never know, never know. Okay, yeah, one more week of the Big Fifty. There's a lot of other chapters that we yes. didn't get to. So, still, like, really, and you know. It, Hey, we we may continue reading this just on, on our own, and if you want to chat with us, we you know we may do the Twitter Spaces and whatnot. But if you I mean, guys, if you guys are really engaging, and we we will can I'll, I'll yeah if, you know if you can't do it, I'll continue. I mean, spaces. chapters it, we're not going time. to chapters we're not going to get to, and we'll probably talk about some more chapters that we didn't get to with Patty next week anyway. But we didn't get to the spoilers of perfection. We didn't get to the end of an eighteen year championship drought. When is that? There were thirty years, nineteen eighty six. Wonder when that was. Maybe it was a cha- eighteen. No, no, nine, eighteen year 90, championship. Ninety one to oh seven. Oh, that too. Look at that. Good math. Um, ahead of their time, Sam Huff, the fumble, the Eli Manning trade, Cappy. The Giants had another Superman, who team owner Willing Tamara once described as number one player of the franchise's first fifty years of existence. That player was Mel Cappy Hine. Mel Hine. Yeah. Bad guy move for not knowing that. And yeah. see, I'm just so. I have PTSD that I just think that's uh. What's his face? Kevin Abrams. Did you give me? You didn't. You give me shit for uh... Liam Neeson. Looks like shit. Oh my god! Wait. So we're recording this Thursday, June 9th, and the Ranger game is on. I usually hate doing this, but Liam Neeson just looked like shit. He looked really bad. He that looked was, really that was awful. Bad. Um, Sam Hoff. It, lo- it, uh, it looked like his soul was taken from him. Ernie Corsi. Um, chapter 17 is December 29, 2007. One of the best days of my life. Seeking to spoil. The greatest mm. football game that I've ever been to. So there's literally, there's 50 chapters in this book, the big 50. Well, and yeah. we only touched on like probably like 20% of the book. Well, we also, we wanted to talk about really, you know, when we first started the origins and a lot of the 
the bigger figureheads in yeah. Giants history. We've talked enough about the 07 team. We've talked enough about it, correct. You know, the 11 team. Correct. And the Eli, Super Bowl. Exactly. Like exactly. So we thought this was the right move, and I still agree with it. Yeah. And what we are doing today is actually the we're going to talk, talk some Bill Belichick. The what ifs. What ifs. That's yeah. part of it. But also the great, awesome assistant coaches that the Giants have had. Which are still what ifs. Bill Belichick, we're going to start off with him. We're going to go into Vince Lombardi. We're going to go into a little bit of Tom Landry, too. And then I kind of want to hear your, some of your thoughts on Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not in the Big 50. He's not. But he's worth mentioning as a significant assistant Giants coach. And then we'll finish off at Romeo Cornell. Rest in peace. Well, he's not dead. He just retired. Rest in peace. I agree. I agree. We're I not going to qu- talk about Romeo Cornell. I have a question for you just about Bill Belichick's legacy in general. Just as a football coach, not even a Giants coach. Yeah. What is he without Tom Brady? Wow, great question. Loaded question. And I think that's a question that a lot of people have been asking. Um, I want to say I, I think he would he would still find a way to be a great coach. I don't think he has the, the rings that he has or the success that he has. Because you got to think about it, too. The Browns were a dumpster fire. He came in. He was starting to turn that team around he was. before he got... I think he would have done it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. He was on the precipice of doing that turnaround with the Cleveland Browns. But he never really had the full chance to do it. Right. Did he luck into Brady? Maybe. But he also drafted Brady. And you can also say, like, no, that they dra- that they drafted him in the sixth round. Right. And, and then, they and, got their guy. Yes. And until Brady won that Super Bowl with Tampa, he left. You, you could have said, what's Brady without Belichick? Right. In that system. Right. Because we were, we were seeing Brady's arm decline and everything like that. So, I mean, in a way, a couple years ago, you're right. The questions were reversed. Exactly. So, and, 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 and then listen. he said, fuck you. <laughs> he did say fuck you and, and terrific time. But it, with that Tampa team too, by the way, like yeah. that was the probably the most skilled team I've ever seen. Yeah. Offensively and defensively, they were insane. I was just going to say, it wasn't just one way. It wasn't just the offense. wasn't just the wide receivers. Right, so. right. They had, a, they had a running game. They had an offensive line. They had, they had weapons. They, they yeah. had everything. Yeah. They had pass rushing. They had everything. Yeah. So if he didn't win that, I would have been a little bit surprised. And but. I think we're going to eventually look back at Bill Belichick's coaching legacy and differentiate it from Bill Belichick, the executive, and Bill Belichick, the coach. He's a shitty executive. Because, and somehow that team last year with Mac Jones, somewhat of a stable quarterback situation, we'll see what the offense looks like this year without Josh McDaniels. Mm. Um, yeah. Rooting for Joe Judge, by the way. Rooting for Joe Judge to get a play call. Unbelievable. Play call. He really might be the offense coordinator. You know what? Yeah. Fuck it. I'll, I, know we're on a his, I know we're on a history show, but <laughs> it, it, we are. this is kind of related to Bill Belichick. What do you do? You want Joe Judge to call the offensive plays this year, without a doubt, and you want him to succeed. Of course, I do. I love. Okay. I love Joe. We've been on this show praising Joe Judge to the gods. Yeah, no, but there's a lot of people who like probably don't want him to succeed. Like, oh fuck him, he destroyed it. Blah blah blah. You know, anybody that thinks that's a fucking asshole, first of all, because listen, no, he didn't have the success that we thought. But when we were six and ten, and we we. Up until the last week of the season, and we needed the Eagles to beat the uh, the Redskins or whatever the fuck their team name is. Fuck. Tampa just got a goal. Anyway, we were all singing his praises. We were all right. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> that echoed throughout yeah, the was, entire. That was work. crazy. You heard that? Yeah, you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're you're right. So. We're, all, we're all singing his praises. Is some some Lord said? Okay, we're on the right track. We're on yeah. the right track. We're on the right track. And then uh, an abysmal year. Can we can we also note the fact that the man never had a chance? No, he was he was handpicked as offensive coordinator, and it, it was he, well known he, he did not get to handpick his offensive coordinator. Uh, 
okay, you're right. He was given his he offensive force. He was forced yeah. on Jason Garrett. Or Jason Garrett was forced on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was not in step line with, with the general manager, which always should be the case. Yeah. Right? And LPG just came on Talking Giants and said that, like, Dave Gettleman, like, they, they, sh- everybody shut Joe Judge out. They shut him out towards the latter half of the of the twenty twenty one season. He he wasn't able to, and he choose. was promised time. He didn't get that. He wasn't able to choose his quarterback. Yeah. So all these things were stacked against him. Yeah. All of them, and then his quarterback gets hurt in what week nine last year, and yeah. they were just an absolute shit. And he had one one game without Jason Garrett, and they won that game. Uh huh. Regardless, Joe Judge, it is history now, so yeah. I could say he never had a fair shot. So anybody, any Giant fan is going to show no, Joe think that's, Judge. And I think ridiculous. that's known. But like right now, I hope he gets the play calling duties. I hope it's not fucking Matt Patricia. Like, like really. And I'm saying this as an unbiased football fan. Who would you rather have calling your offensive plays? Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, or former special teams coordinator Joe Judge? I think For I would just wide say wide receivers coach too. I would just say Joe Judge simply because it's not Matt Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> and you could argue Matt Patricia was a bigger disgrace than Joe Judge. You could coach. say Matt Patricia versus anybody, and I would go with anybody calling off. How do you place. how do you go from defensive coordinator from like I don't know years ago to uh, how do you go from special teams coordinator? I know he's a wide receivers coach stuff like that, but I mean what they're doing in New England it's kind of, it's kind of funky. But I am rooting for Joe Judge. Like I am one hundred percent rooting for Joe Judge to call the and the way that he's going to show that he is he's going to run the football. Hey, I mean, that's what they did last year. That's what the Patriots did last year. And Jamie won- Harris, that's what they just did. Didn't they win with. 10 games, 11 they, games? They won a lot of games. Yeah. Um, and so that's you know, the the initial point that I kind of, why I started this whole thing on Joe Judge is that even last year with him being a bad executive, yeah. them drafting really fucking weird and really funky. But the thing is, is that they get old, they get these contributions out of these UDFAs because they, they coach these guys up. So, yeah, even if these guys are funky, and even though they can't draft a wide receiver to save their life, it's, hey, it's because Joe Judge left as wide receivers coach. I agree. Um, <laughs> that's why they haven't been able to develop wide receivers. But neither here nor there, they're, it, this, this coach is just able to coach these guys up. Um, so that's, again, we'll, it's, it, it will be more the, the question of Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, Tom Brady without Bill Belichick, it's going to continue to be answered. But here's my take on it. Here's my take on it. I still think Bill Belichick has... Two to four Super Bowls. Without Brady. Without Brady. Yeah. It's just not in the, the large spurts that it came in in maybe the early 2000s. I think it's spread out. It wouldn't be a dynasty. No, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's spread out. It may be a dynasty by the, by the time it's all said and done, and maybe in one quarterback's career. But I think it's spread out a little bit, and it's not so hyper-centered in the, the early 2000s. Now, yeah, I, and I agree. Now, think about it. You had Tom Brady that comes out who, I mean, he was six-round pick. Yeah, his combine was atrocious. He yep. was like a backup quarterback in Michigan. He had a you know how a handful of starts. You mean to tell me that Brady's development had nothing to do with coaching and the way in in the scheme? No, you're absolutely right. So Belichick couldn't find somebody like that, like a Brady, no, you're and coach right. him the same way. Yeah. So I, I right now as I stand right here, I and to me, you you know how I feel about coaching. You know how I feel about coaching. I think coaching is the most important thing in football, even. Unless you, you know, yeah, you Pat Mahomes or something. Like coaching, I think with with Josh Allen made him what he is today. I think the play caller, the offensive play caller, is the third most important position in the game of football. Right, it's quarterback, exactly. left tackle, offensive play caller. Bobby says it's quarterback, offensive play caller, left tackle. So he puts offensive play caller above left tackle. Well, I say left tackle is more. Important. And, and I, I agree with you, but we're all in agreement that that is the number three, the number three. The top three yes. things that are important in, in NFL offense yeah. or in, in, on a team. Yeah. 
Um, but we're, and I also think we're in agreement that Belichick, the coach, is just superior. Yeah. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's viewed as the ultimate GOAT without Brady, but he is okay, still fair. viewed fair. as one of the best head coaches of all time because he's a multiple Super Bowl champion. Yes. He probably definitely stays with one team. And I also think, yeah. I also think now that we're a Giants history podcast, I also think he, 100% gets a lot of credit for those Giants defenses. And I that think he should. It actually bothers me. We're actually going to be doing an America's Game movie review um, in two weeks, and we recorded 1987. Um, there was no mention of Bill Belichick. Which is nuts. Which is, that's something that America's Game, that they, they kind of only mention the three people that are being talked about as yeah. like the central characters, which which makes sense, but... Like in 07, they don't mention Spags. Like, no. Yeah, so. which, which which they should. So so here's so here's about... We're going to get in the Big 50. Let's do it. Uh, what's this chapter called? The brilliance of Bill Belichick. The brilliance of Bill Belichick. I'm brilliant. Generally, when you're a coach, and this is um, Harry Carson talking about Bill Belichick, generally when you're a coach, you probably have played the position and can, from your personal experiences, understand what a player might be thinking or how he's going to react in certain situations. Because Bill had never played linebacker, I think there were times in your head where you thought, well, what does he know about playing linebacker? He never played the game. Carson remembered those early days going into the meeting room with Belichick and how the coach would draw plays for the defense to practice. We'd look at what he put up on the board and we'd go, nah, Bill, I don't think that's going to work. But then we'd go out on the field and we'd start to run the defense as he drew it up and it would work. We also started to realize that he thought differently than a traditional linebacker. I mean, he was much more into putting players in certain positions, so he won us over because of the things he did helped us to become a much better defense. <laughs> I tell you, I, I love the fact that he Harry Carson starts by saying, typically when you don't play the game. Yeah. But then when he you're seeing like everything, it's almost like a, that's a bad example. I was going to use Herb Brooks and Miracle, but. You've never seen miracles. So no, I don't. I, don't, I, don't want I mean, the majority yeah. of people have seen it, and I'll, and I'll just shake my head in agreement. Yeah, yeah, which which is just going to lead to zero conversation. But her Bro- <laughs> her Brooks during during the nineteen eighty oh um ah uh, Jesus Christ season Julian edit no it's the what, what is it, the World Cup the World Cup when the when the U S is playing the Soviets sure and her Brooks is like this crazy you know crazy man and he's doing all these X's and O's and in the movie they're like what. But when they go out and do it, and it's working, it's working, all of a sudden they come back, and Herb Brooks is still doing all the X's and O's and blah, 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 going like this, and then they're like, got it, got it. And they're all like well-oiled yeah. machines, and they go out, and everything is so smooth. So when Harry Carson is saying like that, that that's what it reminds me of. Yep, and this leads me to my, to my next point, but George Martin says, well, for one, Bill Parcells has a personality. Belichick has no personality. <laughs> he really doesn't. He's an X's and O's man, period. I think he wrote a book one year, and he talked about how he had to put his personal life on hold during the season. So there have been plenty of people that have tried to replicate what Bill Belichick does. I mean, we could rip him off right now. Eric Mangini. We just talked about one. Matt Patricia. Joe Judge. You know? I don't like, think I don't think Judge Yeah, we, we we literally just gave him excuses as to why it's okay. And we're still rooting for him. But you know, still he's one of them where it just it it didn't work. You know, didn't I guarantee if Bill Belichick walked in that situation, he would have somehow made it work, right? And it's it's so funny to me about I'm sorry, please hold that thought because yeah. I think I know what you're gonna say. That the greatest football coach right now. Ever has the worst coaching tree of all time. Yeah, that is true. 
According to him, during the season, there is no daddy. There are no birthdays or funerals. There are no disruptions. I think it's all football, and he was consumed by football. Whereas Parcells, I think he understood that people are human and that there are going to be there are going to be things that, believe it or not, are more important than football. You know, and at the end of the day, I mean, he got he got results. Um, you know, and what about Belichick's meshing with the personality in the Giants' locker rooms? That that's easy. George Martin said it worked well because it yielded results. If it didn't yield results, it would it would have been off. It wouldn't fucking work, and that's with that that's with anything in life. Literally, if you don't get results, then it's then it's just not going to work. But Correct. Bill Belichick, wherever he has gone, has Got gotten results. results. Yep, and that's why he's as superior of a coach as anybody. Yeah, and it, oh god, it pisses me off so much. I don't know if you have another point to go on this, but the fact that he was the defensive coordinator for two of the now what which defense do they say is better, the ninety or eighty six? More LT was better in 86. Well, LT was MVP in 86. Well, so. I, I, how about this? People comment or in the chat, which if you were, you know, if you're around, which defense do you think is better? We may even put up a poll. Yeah, I would, you know, it's a good should. idea to put up a poll. I, it's a good question. You can maybe say that the 86 was more talented. You still had George Martin around. You're, you're talking about LTs being four years younger. Harry Carson. Um, no, Harry Carson. 86? Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Harry Carson but was still not, floating around. But then 90, you bring in Banks. You have. Leonard Marshall. No, Banks was on 86. No, he wasn't. He was drafted in 84, mm, okay. so he was there. Two times Super Bowl champ. Oh, all right. I'll take that back. Bad guy move. Listen. Not you, and but I think 1990, and, that, and the Patty, what Patty writes about is the Super Bowl 25 game plan. I think 1990, that group was just better coached, well coached. 86 yeah. was just naturally more talented. Naturally That's more when you talented. have LT going, half, going off for 20 and a half sacks. George Martin's still at the top of his game. George Martin's still there. Yeah. yeah. He had that, you know, the the crazy awesome interception yep. return um, yep. against John Elway during the regular season. So, so this is Bill Belichick's defense's points allowed ranking by year. This is unbelievable. 1985 to 1990. Huh. 1985, 5th. 1986, 2nd. 1987, 13th. That was the year that there was a strike, I believe. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't count. That was the 1987 season where it was a strike and Giants players just didn't show up in the shortened season, whatever. 1988, 9th. Bad year. 1989, second, 1991. So the two years that they won a Super Bowl, 1986, second, 1991. So maybe we just answered our own question. Well, I mean, I, I <laughs> no, I mean that's uh, at that point. I mean, between first and second, you're no, you're, I know, I know. And, and I feel bad that I I didn't really mention Banks in '86. He was he was still young and he was overshadowed by LT and Carson. 1990 was when Carson was gone. Carl Banks really blossomed. Yeah, like you know, yeah. that's where he took off. And then Leonard Marshall was. Leonard Marshall in 1990. So that's a really, I really want to, we should, we got to put that to a poll. Yeah, put that to a poll. So comment, I say 86. I'm going to go 90. Okay, 1990 is I'm just go better. Co- you could say that 1990 is just more impressive from Bill Belichick. Fair, yes. And I'm not even going based on the, the points per game rankings. I just, maybe it's more recent and I know a yeah. couple more of the guys, but I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go 90. So this is actually something that I And I'm also going to go 90 because, I'm sorry, real quick. Yeah. Because that Super Bowl, what they did to the Buffalo Bills offense, well, yeah, that yes, 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 but I think that's more like I said, that's more impressive of what Bill Belichick, the mind of Bill Belichick, rather than the actual defense. True, so. yeah, that's true. All and right, the offense so, held the ball for forty-five minutes, so that works. That is that is true. So, defense we, forces those three nouns. Yes, we did talk about that. So I'm going to read you something that the first thing that I thought of is let Mario Manningham beat us. Ah, uh-huh. it's still a Nixon Cruz game. Yep. 
The game plans he put together were for the 90 percentile of players. And if that one player found himself in an unfortunate situation, he'd say, look, we can protect everything but this play. If this happens, then they caught us off guard. But this is as much yardage as they should make on a play like this. So when I read when I read that quote, I'm thinking of he's him telling his defense it's a cruise and Knicks game, like you said. Let basically let Mario Manningham beat us. And Manningham that's exactly and what they fucking you. did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And it's like it, it's kind of. I mean, when you think about it, isn't that kind of what what he did in, in in the Super Bowl in 1990? Yeah, just let let. Th- I mean, it, it was. Well, I mean, Thurman, got, Thurman Thomas is a great player, but let, yes, let. Thurman Thomas beat you on the ground versus as the if, explosive plays. As if Jim Kelly and um yes, oh god, what's the receiver's name? Andre Reed. Andre Reed. Let, don't let them beat you because when you have explosive plays like that, you're gonna let up Kills points. You. Right. Kills exactly. Because so. they, you know, that's all that that Buffalo Bills team did. Uh, yes. Patty actually includes it, it includes some uh, stats. So the Bills had scored 66 out of 72 red zone trips, with 48 of those scores being touchdowns. Um, the Bills' offense, which had scored 95 points in two playoff games, presented a pick-your-poison dilemma for Belichick and the Giants. Um, Thurman Thomas finished uh, with uh, 1,297 rushing yards. Um, so I mean, that was just an insane, insane year that they had. 1990, the Bills' offense, uh, Jim Kelly, they were led. Uh, league's best-scoring offense, averaging 26.8 points per game. That's so many for back then, I feel like. That's almost, that's almost four touchdowns. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like we're game. What is it like? Thirty now? Thirty-one is the average now? No, no, not the average. But the fuck, Giants fucking average. Like you want? Here. I'm not talking about the Giants. I'm talking about a regular football you team. Want, so here, here's here's <laughs> a. Uh, here, you think I'm talking about the miserable fucking Giants now? Twenty-one New York Giants. I'll say seventeen point one. That's I, I how much they averaged this year per game. I think that's high. Let's see how much did they average per game this year. Team stats, points for 258. All right, so I got it. Yeah, and just 258 divided by 17. How much did you say? 17.1. The 15.1. <laughs> All right, so you know I what? got 0.1. <laughs> I thought it was actually less. I'm going to be honest. That's, <laughs> so so embar- that's so embarrassing. Yeah, so the, oh the 1990 gosh. Buffalo Bills in a game that's 30-some years ago averaged 26.8. So. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we praise Bill Parcells at nauseum, and I think deservedly so, no? Yes. But Bill Belichick, my gosh. Yeah. Do the Giants win those two Super Bowls if Bill Belichick isn't their defense coordinator? Yeah, yeah maybe not. Maybe not, yeah. right? Especially um, with the, you know, thinking thinking about the game in a certain way that, you know, lets those linebackers be like the modern day edge rushers. Yes. That was the start of that. So, good good for good for Bill, good for Bill Belichick. Yes, and uh, it's the one that got away. I want I want to just say real quick. They did uh ESPN did a I think it was like Bill and Bill or something yes, like that. You yes. really have to watch this. I know I haven't watched it. Um so the whole story, like, Parcells retired, and this is when Belichick is, like, a really hot commodity. And if I'm saying this wrong, I, I, I'm going to get the gist of it, but if I'm saying it wrong, please eviscerate me and, and correct me. Um, but Parcells was, like, I mean, he was up in the air about retiring or not. Yeah. And Belichick was going to take over. And they talk about this in documentary. So Belichick takes the Browns' job, Thinking and not knowing that Parcells, you know, thinking Parcells is going to come back to the Giants for another year. And George Young also he says in the Big Fifty that George Young didn't think Belichick fit New York. So correct. It's partially why maybe he was out of the loop on all this. Maybe fair, but but I I still think to this day Belichick gets the job if Parcells 
retires. I, I, I don't I, know. I, re- I really do. I know George Young says it. We'll ask Patty her opinion on that. Okay, fine. I, I think that's like, hey, we really think that he would have got the job, but you're saying that George Young wasn't willing. What do you think but, all right, from so, who you so, talked so to? So what year was that? 90? It was 1990. It was. It was the year after. Yeah. It's crazy how they won a fucking Super Bowl. and Now, if Parcells has health issues, fine. Like, if you have health issues, it's legitimate, right? I always thought Parcells lied about that. Now, looking back on it. I, I, got I, surgery. I know he got the bypass. I get it all. I get it all. Take a year off. But the fact that he, what he does and comes back, I, I don't know. I think we see, we see coaches all the time get, like, surgery. Mike, Urban Mike, Meyer. Mike Urban Zimmer Meyer. almost went blind. Yes, I know. And I'm not, call, teams I'm, for years. I'm not calling Parcells a liar. I think... In watching that, it, I'm, I was not alive. I don't know what happened. But in watching that DVD, all I know is that Bill Belichick wanted so badly to be the coach in New York Giants. Yeah. And he waited out as long as he possibly could for Parcells' decision. Yeah. And he thought, and what was said in the documentary essentially was, Parcells was telling him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach another year. Yeah. So Belichick takes the, the job. And then I think a couple weeks later, Parcells steps down. Health issues. Okay, yep. Yep. fine. So to me... I think there was something there where Belichick thought he would get the job if Parcells. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uh, and, par- and my theory is is that he's again, still, with reading still- the book, my theory is is that George Young just th- they didn't let him know. That's my theory. You're right. Yeah, I, I got allergies. My ears always itch. My eyes hurt. But that happens. Could, I, that happens when I have headphones on. Maybe maybe it's the headphones. I don't know. Yeah, because then I, you feel like you have earwax, but you actually don't. I don't have any earwax. No, I uh, wash my ears all the time. But okay, maybe that's the case. However. Belichick literally, he, he the only football team that he has any respect for outside of the Patriots, is the Giants. It's the Giants. And he gets emotional. He he cried in the in the in the video. Yeah, he wanted to when they walk back in there. He, he's looking at it, he goes. That's the one clip I've seen. <sighs> yeah, like he wanted to be the Giants coach so bad. Yeah. And to me, it's just I, yes, it's revisionist history. But we'll ask Patty. She'll clarify. I really this is I think I want that to be our first question. Like how okay. The dynamic of the Bill Bill relationship, and if Bill Belichick would also, have it's that George job. Young too. It's George Young and Wellington Nara. It's not. It's not just Bill and Bill. Right. It's Bill Belichick and Wellington Mara and George Young. Yeah, and Wellington hired Parcells as a players coach, right? Yes, that's how he hired him. Yeah, he was. Was he going to switch from that and hire a hard ass that mm-hmm. Belichick probably was, even though Parcells finished his career as a hard ass? So. Yeah. I, there's a lot of questions that I want I want answered when when Patty comes on. You so. want to know another assistant coach who cried thinking about getting a Giants job, the head of coaching job? Oh, this one hurts. Any question about whether Vince Lombardi truly wanted to coach the Giants was answered during one of my recent conversations with Mo, and this was a uh, um, Andy Rubistelli. Rubistelli, yes, great Italian, an Italian name. Andy Rubistelli was commenting on, you know, whether Vince Lombardi wanted to be a coach of the Giants or not. We played Green Bay in a preseason game one year, he remembers. Andy Rubistelli and I, oh, I guess this is Mo. Okay, oh, yeah, Mo. Uh, we were walking around downtown Green Bay, and a car pulls up. It's Lombardi. Get the hell in, he says. He starts talking about how he wished he was coaching the Giants, and he was in tears. I should have been there coaching you guys, he said. He was crying in the car. There's something about this. Fucking organization! That I don't just know why. People crazy. I don't know. <laughs> what are the Mar- what, what are the Maris putting these guys' meals? It's a, sh- it's a shame we weren't around to see that. No, I mean you, you were around. I mean, you know, in all in all seriousness, though, like the 2000 season was the first season that you yes. really were rooting for it. And, and, I, yes. and I I always go back to like thinking about the class of the Giants organization. I always go back to 9 11. 
seeing what they did after 9-11. I love reading those stories, and I love experiencing that. Um, um, you even see the thing that they did with Kyle Rudolph. So I, I think the Giants, the last couple of years, have showed misplaced class to players that necessarily don't deserve it. Does he deserve that class? But So you see it in moments, but you actually saw it when like Wellington was alive, that it's like, this is actually how you do it. And that's what people gravitate that's why, towards. And that's why, every, you know, to this day, even though we've been decimated by atrocity of, of front offices, that people still have respect for the team because yep. it's all class. Yep. And the fact that we have, I mean, we were just talking about Belichick being the greatest coach of all time. The trophy that everybody plays for is named after the man that was just crying that wanted to be the coach of that the is New York true. Giants. That is true. So can you imagine the impression that, that late that yeah. that that leaves you talked about what if about Belichick well I, w- I want I want you to really get let this sink in about the what if about Vince Lombardi right so Wellington Merritt didn't feel comfortable forcing Jim Lee Howell to retire early of okay course, of course you didn't He's okay guy. so you win a couple championships the coordinator you know the head coach is the head coach the coordinators are coordinators you can find another coordinator right that's that's a thought process you could running back Kyle Rote had made an observation about the Giants coaching staff. One day, he was walking down the hall into a room, and this is from a Big Blue View article, not from the Big 50. He was walking down the hall and into a room to his right was Lombardi breaking down film with his offensive players. Down the hall to the left was Landry going over situations with his defensive players. And then down the hall into another room was Howell reading a newspaper. Howell's job was to be the diplomatic leader between the boisterous Lombardi and the mild-tempered Landry. Oh, yeah, and be the team's head coach. (laughs) <laughs> what did Jim Lee Howell do? <laughs> he, he did the crossword puzzle in the New York Post. <laughs> hey, how'd the meeting go? So you had... Hey, Vince, how'd the, how'd the meeting go? Went you had, well. You had two, Tom. Of, two of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Arguably top three. Yes. Arguably. Yes. In different offices, coaching their players, mm-hmm. while a guy... Who is the head coach? Smoking a cig. Smoking a cigarette, doing a crossword puzzle. Maybe he was a cigar guy. I don't Re- know. Reading about prohibition or whatever the fuck was then. It wasn't What's prohibition. What's not prohibition? Yeah, but the recession. It was the 50s. Was there a war? Not World War II. I guess World War II ended. No, it was a long time ago. Was it the Korean War, maybe? Maybe. You getting up but there? But that, that's, just, that's <laughs> just so... That's What if? Reading about cars. Cars what? were big. Fuck cars. I don't care about cars. What if... It really, just what if? Yeah. Even if you picked one of them and one of them had to go. It didn't take long for Lombardi to make his mark, not only on the franchise, but on the run game itself. He created a new blocking style that he called running the daylight. There's like a Vince Lombardi documentary where he's drawn on the chalkboard. And this guy goes here, into the alley. Um, instead of an offensive lineman blocking a single player head-on and sending the running back uh, through a predetermined hole, Lombardi's scheme called for blocking a specific area similar to zone blocking and leaving the running back to choose which hole to exploit. And Tom Landry was also one of the first to create the 4-3-4 defense and really center a defense around the middle linebacker, which that middle linebacker was... Sam Huff. So Tom Landry had a big part in making Sam Huff one of the greatest defense players of all time. And Vince Lombardi also had a huge factor into making Frank Gifford, Frank Gifford yeah. the type of player that he was. Because besides being an innovator, Lombardi also had an eye for talent. It was his idea to convert flanker slash safety Frank Gifford into a full time halfback. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I, I love that. I love the term flanker. We used to use that in like seventh and eighth grade football. Flanker. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
I, I just it, it blows my mind that th- those two guys are on the staff at the same time, and and neither one of them are the head honcho. And I have a story here. This is also from the the Big Blue View article. But um, tell me, tell our there, audience. There was a story it. that Lombardi actually got a job while he was offense coordinator with the Giants. He got a job to be the head coach of the Eagles, but he did not take it because the Eagles were currently in the process of being sold. And Wellington Mara was like, listen, you could take this job, but your job security isn't safe, and also you would not have full control and autonomy of what players you would want to bring in and stuff like that. So he declined the job, still with the hopes that one day he would get the Giants job, and he continued being the coordinator for the Giants. And it was actually a good move because the Eagles were sold and they were bought by somebody new. So who knows if he would have, you know, he probably would have been bumped down the coordinator again. I didn't didn't know that part. Yeah. Not in the Big Fifty. It was in. I, I wanted. Yeah, no, I, know. I wanted yeah. to do some other research for this to talk about Vince Lombardi. So, well, I mean, so Landry to me is it, he's kind of not the one that got away. Um, no, because he. I think he like he legitimately got his job with uh, the Dallas. They right. were not the Cowboys at the time. They moved on to be the Cowboys uh, eventually. But he got his job and everything like that. But it, it's Lombardi who was. I think Lombardi is the one you circled. The, the one that got away. Yes, correct. And especially the, the emotions that he had felt. And, and in reading the book, and that you see, yeah, well, or, you know, that you read, um, that that's that's the one, yeah, that's the one, and it's unbelievable that I st- I still can't get over the ha- just having <laughs> that part just makes me laugh so much. Yeah, Lombardi's putting up, he's you know helping his offensive players draw up schemes here, and Landry's in the other room, Jim Lee Howell's reading and Jim Lee Howell's in the newspaper, yeah. Like motherfucker, are you kidding me? Yeah, and what's what's crazy too? So Vince Lombardi, while he was coordinator for the Giants for a couple of years, he was employed by the Federal Bank and the Trust Company in Manhattan as an executive during the off season. Eventually, after he does not take the Eagles' head coaching job, Wellington Mara makes him the highest paid assistant coach in the National Football League to you know encourage him to stay, and he's paid accordingly. Tom Landry also while he's also being a defensive coordinator for a couple years during his playing days, he was defensive coordinator and a secondary player, defensive back as well. So he did both. Did it, yeah. And then he retired, and then he was just obviously the defensive coordinator. Yeah. But he actually got, like, embarrassed. And, you know, part of what Patricia Trainer writes in the Big 50 is that Landry's humiliation against a, against a speedy... Landry's humiliation against Max Speedy taught him a valuable lesson about coaching, and that was to prepare for every possible little nuance that might arise in a game. In his autobiography, Landry wrote, I learned as a defensive back that it wasn't enough for me to react to the, moment, to the movement of the ball. By the time I saw where the ball was being thrown and tried to get there, it would be too late to try and stop the play. So Landry created a defense that was focused on reading keys. For example, if a halfback went in one direction, Landry surmised that the play would take shape as one of the two possible options would lay out of those options for his teammates to stop the opponent. Let's see. Wait, let's actually see this. Landry was, in fact, so demanding of his players on defense that he once chewed out Frank Gifford, who at the time was also contributing on defense during a film session in which Landry pointed out that Gifford had been out of position on an interception that he returned for a touchdown. Frank Gifford. And that's one of these things about Landry and Vince Lombardi. You know, I told you that Lombardi had a job, right? And I told you that Landry was also playing at the same time. Where a lot of these guys, they would have like their Monday through Friday jobs during this time, and then they would play football on, you know, Sunday or whatever, right? Right. 
one of the th- the things that made the thing that made these two guys great that made them the greatest of all time and two that of, really yeah. set the game up in a in a direction that it is now is that they were so so psychotic about preparing and their preparation their detail yeah their attention to detail yes yeah and i think there there's a story you know that i was reading uh, that might have been about landry whereas if you had a physical mistake he got it fine if you had a mental mistake he would perceive that as you just don't have the mental Fortitude. capacity yeah. to understand what's going on here therefore you're not for me right which that's fucking cold it's, but. V- it's very cold because <laughs> i mean you think about it physical mistakes are, are it could cost you even well. Eh, I guess it goes tomato, one way tomato, tomato, tomato. Yeah, but I see. I love that, and they were one. And I, uh, it could be hindsight to say this, but I think to take it to the level that they did, they were one of the first to really do that. They were the innovators of it. Yeah, like if you're not mentally in it, that means you're not paying attention to what I'm saying in yeah. the room. Not just man versus man, and this is offense and defense. Not just man versus man. You got him. You got him on offense defense. It was, you know, Vince Lombardi. No, I'm going to create something that's going, that's going to create space. Yes. Tom Landry, I'm going to create something that is centered around, you know, one of the most talented players on my football team, a middle linebacker that has to control everything, but also preventing offenses from going to a place that they want to go. I'm going to prevent that, not just mano y mano. Exactly. And if the player is not doing that, then it's mental, and then you're yep. not listening to me, so get out. Yeah. So I, I, I can totally understand where they're coming from, where they'd rather a mental, a mentally fortitude-minded guy over, yeah. you know, a physical specimen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what Belichick is like, too, because that's how... He, dra- he drafts weird. He drafts weird. <laughs> he drafts guys that he's like, okay, th- this guy, I, I interviewed him, and he works like this. He ticks yeah. like this. Yeah. I tick like that. He knows exactly what I want. I want him. Yeah. I don't want the, the freak from Alabama. I want the, you know, the moron from North Dakota State. Yeah. So it's just... These, these coaches, man, and the lineage of, of wild, not, I don't want to say wild, the lineage of Giants assistant coaches that we've had from our inception yeah. and what they've gone on to be is nuts. And there's even Sean Payton, who we're not going to talk about. I wanted to. No, no. But I, there's even Sean Payton. Sean Payton, to me, that's... He's not really... Is he a one that got away? I mean, because we, well, we, we had eventually ended in Tom Coughlin. We talked so. about... We've, we talked about this. It's a very... I want to... You know what? Maybe we can uh, we could start a conversation in spaces or on, on, the, on the Bleeding Blue Twitter account. I don't think he's a, a one that got away because Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls. Yeah. But I also do want to know what Sean Payton could have done with Eli. Yeah. Tom Coughlin wasn't a quarterback whisperer. Sean Payton was known to be like an offensive guru. Yeah. You know what I mean? I also would have loved unbiased football opinion. He went to the Cowboys from 03 to 05. That's who really fucked as a, up the as a QB As a QB coach. Yes. I would have loved to see what um, Sean Payton did with uh, Tony Romo. And not Jason Garrett. It's fair. Tony Romo was really good. I mean, Jason Garrett was the next in line because Sean Payton was the QB. They... What a fucking disgrace. I, you know what? I, that they, He went from the offensive coordinator to the Giants to the QB coach of the Cowboys, and they had that fuckhead Jason Garrett call in plays, and he was the one who got promoted at the end of the day. It worked out for us. Worked out for the Saints. Who, 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 Saints. who didn't it work out for? The Cowboys. The Cowboys, yeah. When was the last time Cowboys won a Super Bowl? VCRs were around. Yeah, beepers too. Mm. And you know who wasn't around? One of my good friends, Michael Boker. You too. Yeah, I was not around, no. 
When were you born? 98. Yeah, you weren't around? Nope. <laughs> you fucking loser, Cowboy fans. <laughs> you fucking losers. And you know who else wasn't around? Who? Our miserable, rotten editor, Julian. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, he's younger than he's younger than all of us. No, but uh, Sean Payton is something that I, I do want to bring up when we talk about this in spaces. Um, I think that's a good conversation. Yeah, Because a agree. lot of... A lot of the people are, are, you know, around my age. You know, a lot of people are your age, too. But everybody knows Sean Payton. Yep. He's more recent. So I do think that would be a good... And there were some funky things that happened between him and Fossil. Yes. Him and Fossil kind of butted heads. Yes. He had play-calling duties for a little bit, but then Fossil, Fossil took, took him back, away. And yeah. then it th- didn't work. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that. But that's another element that we have yet to explore. And but that's going to do it. Yes. And John Fox, too, by the way, who's a Super Bowl-winning coach. Oh, that's true. Yeah, fucking... Free. He was defense court. God, yes. what a... He's somebody I don't I, I don't I don't hold him in highest regards as Sean Payton. Yeah, but I, yes, I, he was he was a great he was coach. There. He was a great coach for a while. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. We will see you next week. That is it. That is the truth. We will see you next week with a hopefully a Patricia training interview. I mean, if we don't, then we may die. Just I'll kill sense. Justin on air. There you go. All oh right. no, wait, that's bad. Bleep that out. No. Well, FBI. No. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. They've come after you before. Keep on bleeding blue and snacks. Fuck TV. Yeah.